Seven, seven weeks. Can you believe we've been on the same series for seven weeks that on my God's dynamic character. So that's been good. And thank God for our pastors who helped me teach this series. So this eighth week is the last um, installment in this um, series. I, we have to make an announcement. Unfortunately, last week's message, which was dynamic, I must say myself, um, didn't get recorded. Somehow the cord disconnected. So the Father Forgives is not on the podcast. So hopefully you took good notes. If you didn't, you can check out Wednesday email for the sermon notes, and then you can just get the outline from there. All right, so today we're going to talk about God being a rewarder. Everybody say with me, God is is a rewarder. A A lot of people don't know that, but that is a wonderful revelation that the Holy Spirit has given us as his people that he wants me to talk about today. Um, Turn with me to Hebrews 11.6, the very powerful passage in the New Testament. And it says, but without faith, this is the New King James Version, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So a lot of people believe that God is. They know that God exists. We believe in God. God loves me. God cares about me. But a lot of people don't have the revelation, the insight, the belief that God is a rewarder. Now, when you say rewarder, what does that mean to you guys? We at Winter's Church talk. So what does that mean to you when it says God is a rewarder or he rewards those who diligently seek him? What does that mean to you? Don't everybody talk at once. <laughs> that he blessed them. That's good. Anybody else? What does it mean to reward? He gives them good things. Wonderful. He shows them favor. Great. He blesses them, gives them good things, shows them favor. Anybody else? What does it mean to, to reward? To be given the desires of your heart. That's wonderful. Those are all great definitions, and they do mean reward. But we're going to find out that the word reward means, literally in the Hebrew, wages paid. Something that belongs to you. Your salary, is that your boss giving you a favor or blessing you? Or is it what belongs to you? What it belongs to you. And so there are some things that come from the favor and the mercy of God. And there are some things which we more need to have a mindset of that belongs to you. It's yours. Do you understand that? So when God says that he's a rewarder, he's saying that I'm going to give you what belongs to you. I'm going to give you what you can't give yourself, but it does belong to you. All right. So now let's go to Genesis 15. I had this whole outline that I started creating, and the Lord's like, nah, you want to stay on this one thing. So I'm like, all right, good. So we're going to be in one passage. We'll probably go around. So get ready to move around in your Bible. Now... We usually use, I usually use the New King James Version, but for this passage, I'm using the ESV, which is the English Standard Version. Oh, okay, just for some clarity. Um, verse 1 
of Genesis 15 says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Now, after these things, if you go back, he has just defeated those kings, got Lot back and all that good stuff. All right. So it says, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision. Fear not, Abraham. Now, this is now people that say, why is it Abraham? This is his name before God changed it to Abraham. Same person. Okay. Fear not, Abraham. I am your shield. So the first thing that God tells Abraham is that I am your shield. Some commentaries say, why would God say that to Abraham? They said it's possible because he just came back from a war. He could be thinking of retribution from the king that, that, that him and the other kings defeated. So they're saying that's possible. But whether he was thinking that or not, the Bible doesn't tell us. The fact is God is telling him, I know that you're going to deal with enemies. I know you're going to have people that are going to try to come for you. And I want you to know that I'm your shield. And even in this life, you as a believer will have people that will try to come for you, people who will be against you. And it's your job to know that your father is your shield. Amen. Amen? He is your protector. I read um, in the concordance, James Concordance, one of the definitions for this word is um, the, the back of a crocodile. I was like, this is interesting. Now, you know the spikes that's on a crocodile? You know that their skin is part of their protection? It's very hard for you to pierce through a crocodile. And God is saying, I'm like the crocodile's skin. I am protecting you. I am keeping your enemies from getting you. Do so I say that's good news? So you never have to worry about some boss who says, I'm going to get you. Some co-worker is going to set you up. What do you worry about? God will defeat them before your face. Amen. 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 The Bible says they'll come against you one way and flee before you seven ways. Amen. The word seven is the word complete, means completion. It means total defeat. So you should tell your co-workers or anybody who tries to come against you, I'm the wrong one, baby. <laughs> My God will defeat you. And he will embarrass you. And you will be messed up in the end. <laughs> Simple as that. Amen. Okay, so he said, I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. Now, the New King James, that's why I wanted to use this version, says, I am your exceedingly great reward. But other translations you'll see, some of them say that, but a lot of them say, your reward shall be very great. So now God is telling Abraham, who we know is Abraham, our father, that I'm going to be your protector, but I'm just going to be your protector and leave you with nothing. I'm going to give you a very great reward. Now, and again, in the New Kingdom says, exceedingly great reward. I love that. Exceedingly great reward, or I'm going to give you a very great reward. So God is trying to let Abraham know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking about some little... Uh, $5 check. <laughs> I'm talking about a whole bunch of money. Remember, was it two years ago or last year when um, Jeff Bezos gave two of his friends, that black guy and the Spanish guy, each $100 million? Anybody remember that? Does, does anybody remember that at all? Oh, man. Do you guys watch the news? What's that guy? Vince something. What's his name? So I look it up. The, the $100 million to Jeff Bezos giveaway. Yeah, one day... 
he just decided, I think it was around this time, Christmas time, about a year or two ago, um, he gave this famous black guy and this, um, huh? Van Jones. Van Jones. Yeah, Van Jones. Anybody know who Van Jones is? He's a CNN commentator. Yeah, and you guys didn't hear on the news that he got $100 million from his good friend Jeff Bezos? So you say you didn't hear? I didn't say anything. Oh, you didn't say anything, but I... I, I I'm taking notes. Okay, you're taking notes, but I said, who heard that? And you didn't raise your hand. That's all right. Like I said, you ain't preaching for a while. <laughs> no. So Van Jones, who was the other guy? Jose Andres. Jose Andres. These are friends. He says, do whatever you want to with it. He gave them an exceedingly great what? Reward. He gave them $100 million each. Because they did a follow-up recently about what Van, Van Jones has done with the money that he got. And he said, you can do it. He knows that they do charitable things, but he didn't say use it for charity. He said, I'm just giving you. I want my friends to be blessed like this. That's amazing. So if a human being can do that to another human being, what would your father do for you? Can you expand your mind? Nikita says she can. Can you expand your mind to believe that God can do something huge for you? Amen. Amen. People get excited over a $20,000 raise. That's wonderful. But (laughs) let me tell you something. God can do way beyond that. Come on, somebody. But Abraham, verse 2, Abraham said, O Lord God, what will you give me? Now, today's Christianity, a lot of preachers will say, oh, don't be asking God for nothing. (laughs) You've heard those preachers. That's not what the Bible teaches. Or you hear preachers say, don't be questioning God for nothing about anything. Well, that ain't the Bible. You have a relationship with your father. He talks to you, you talk to him. And it says here, but Abraham said, oh, Lord God. Okay, I heard what you said. What will you give me? So I'm going to challenge now this thing you just said. For I continue childless. Another version says, I am childless. I'm in a condition, in a state that doesn't match it with, with, with what you just said. And the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. So back in ancient times, if you didn't have a physical heir, you would make your, one of your servants your heir. And Eliezer is his chief assistant, chief servant. And he says, I've chosen him to be my heir. So when I die and Sarai dies, he's going to get everything. And Abraham said, behold, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. So he's saying, God, look, you just told me you're going to be my protector. You're my exceedingly great reward, but I don't even have a kid. That is very interesting that Abraham automatically associated reward with a child. Very interesting. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man, talking about Eliezer, your servant, shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. The, uh, the, the, the New King James says, one that will come from your body. Now, I know you're an old man. I know your wife is old. But I said, I'm going to give you a very great reward. So I'm going to bypass nature. 
I'm going to bypass the natural course of things and give you something that you cannot give yourself. Oh, you should be excited about that. (laughs) Even as I said that, I'm thinking about us. God will bypass the natural course of things to give you something you cannot give yourself. Come on, somebody. Something that your good credit can't give you. Something that your paycheck can't give you. Something that your boss can't give you. Something that your mom and daddy can't give you. I'm going to give you something that bypasses everything. Yes, you don't have a degree, but I'm going to make you a multimillionaire. Yes, the doctor said you have four months to live, but I'm going to give you 40 more years. Come on, somebody. Um, They just, who knows Joel Osteen? All right. His mama, Mama Dodie, she, 40 years ago, she was diagnosed with a very rapid cancer and that she was supposed to be dead in weeks. 40 years later, she is still alive. She got healed and she's been healed for 40 years. She just turned 90. Glory be to God. That's the kind of God we serve. Those are the kind of stories you need to hear. Not about Aunt Lucy who died. I'm sorry that Aunt Lucy died. Go to the funeral, mourn her death, but don't look to Aunt Lucy as your example. Look to Mama Dodie. The reason why I say that is because human nature is geared towards the negative and not the positive. Train your mind to forget about all the people who didn't win. Oh, that doesn't sound nice. Are you trying to live or sound nice? (laughs) And focus on the people who won. Amen? The people who lose, that's not your business. Your job is to win. Win his church. (laughs) Hello, somebody. The Bible says, get in all these things. Romans 8.37, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So are you going to associate with conquering or losing? Being victorious or being a victim? God told Israel one time, he said, I said before you, death and life, cursing and blessing, choose life that you and your seed, your family may live. So we have a choice every day about what we're going to do. Whether we're going to be a victim or a victor, whether we're going to be a loser or a winner. Whether we're going to whine or win. Somebody say, I'm going to win. Hallelujah. So you ask him a legitimate question. You give me no kid. God says, watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you your very own son. I'm going to give you one that comes from your loins, comes from your body. Verse 5, and he brought him outside. Now, what does that mean he brought him outside? Well, back in that time, they lived in tents. Or what would be your house? And he brought him outside. So I say, he brought him outside. Here's the revelation. Go out of your comfort zone. Come out of what you're used to. Come out of what you've been enclosed in and see something different. Sometimes you have to come out of your neighborhood, come out of your family, come out of your culture. And see something different. And he said, he brought him outside 
and said, look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number them, of course, he could have numbered them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord and he counted it to him as righteousness. This is why when we get born again, people are like, wait a minute. It's, it, you can be born again by just believing your heart that God raised you from the dead and confess him with your mouth as Lord. Yes, because we're following the system that Abraham started. He believed, he confessed, he was counted as righteous. So you become a righteous, born again person by just believing in the finished work of Jesus, confessing him as Lord, receiving him as your Lord, and boom, you're saved just like that. Your name literally gets written in heaven. Your sins literally get washed away, past, present, and future. That's the power of belief and confessing with your mouth. Mm. This is good. And he said to him, now this is the Lord speaking, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. So now we go from having a child as a reward to now land as a reward. Somebody say God is a rewarder. And so all of you who want children, you should not see children as something hard to receive. Psalm 127 says children are a what? Reward from the Lord. So if God is a rewarder, he will give you a care. Oh, but the doctor said my body. I don't care what the doctor said. He said in Exodus, I will bless your bread and your water. I will take sickness away from the midst of you. He told the whole land this, a whole nation. And he said, none of you, none of you. This is not 10 people. This is 3 million. None of you will suffer miscarriage or be barren in the land. So you're telling me God gave a promise to millions of people? Yeah, because he's that big and bad. He's I'm the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? Listen, <laughs> this is the, we're starting the Christmas season. We'll be celebrating Luke 1, Luke 2. What happened to Luke 1? An angel appeared to a young girl, and she was very young, a teenager, and said, oh, by the way, rejoice, you highly favored one. You are blessed among women. All right. That's interesting. Bible said she was troubled by the greeting. And he says, um, the Holy Ghost is going to come on you. <laughs> and you're going to give birth to a baby. And his name shall be called Jesus. He's going to be the son of God. He will, save people from his, he will save his people from their sins. She says, how can this be? I don't know a man. I have to have sex. He said, oh, don't worry about it. The power of God going to come on you. And she said this, be it unto me according to your word. If God can give a woman a baby without a man, he can surely give you a baby with a man. <laughs> All that sense, so you can have a baby? <laughs> Please. 
Like one pastor told this couple who was having trouble having a baby, he, he said in front of the church, everybody laughed. He said, it only takes one sperm to get pregnant. God can make one sperm get to that egg. And that particular couple did have a baby, supernaturally. Come on. There's nothing too hard for God. You just start telling yourself, I believe in the devil, and say, God, this is easy for you. He's like, I'm glad you realized that. This is easy for you. Easy for you. I um, contacted some young lady that I used to go to church with years ago when I was a teenager. She goes to some church and, um, um, out on Long Island, and uh, I, I had thought that she was having trouble having a kid. So one day I just was reading something. When we were talking about miracles, I felt led to contact her on Messenger, and I said, um, tell me your story, because I really don't know the details. I don't really know her like that. I know her, she knows me, but we don't really have a relationship. So she told me her whole story, and um, in the story, she said that she actually got pregnant, but she had a miscarriage. And then I think um, something else happened, and um, she, she doesn't have a baby, and she's wanted to have a baby on her husband. A young couple, but they're getting older, and you know. So I said, okay, I'm going to pray, and I'll get back to you. This was like months, a few months ago, like two months ago, something. And I kept praying, because I could have easily said, come meet me, blah, 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 you know. But I don't know where she's at in her faith. Just some responses I could say. I don't think she's really being taught faith, whatever. So I said, let me just talk to the Lord about it. So I asked the Lord, um, what do you want to do with this, with this particular person? What do you want me to say to them? How do you want me to minister to them? So I'm not her pastor, but I still believe God wants me to do something. So um, two months later, now he gave me an answer. He gave me an answer yesterday. I asked him about it again. <laughs> and from this thing, he said, give her the scripture about without faith is possible to please him, but he that comes to God must believe that he is and he's a reward of them that diligently seek him. Then give her Psalm 127, that children are a reward from the Lord. Told her to meditate on that, and that's all that he gave me so far. So I'm gonna give that message to her. God has an answer for us, Amen. and it's found in his word. The word of God says, forever, O Lord, your word is established in heaven. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away before one tittle of my word passes away. You know what tittle means? If you, you look at the Hebrew lettering, it means like one little curve, one little mark. He says, before any of that is erased, heaven and earth will go. That's how firm his word is. What happens is a lot of people don't believe the word. And this is what the Bible says in Jeremiah. I watch over my word to what? To perform it. God is looking for people with the word of God in their heart and in their mouth so he can do it for them. But what do people usually have in their mouth and in their heart? Complaints, anger, fear, worry. Oh, this can't happen. And guess what? It doesn't happen. And then people say, oh, God is sovereign. You know, I guess, that's, I guess it wasn't in the cards for me. No, it wasn't in the word of, it wasn't in your mouth for you. It wasn't in your heart for you. 
Whatever you put in your heart and confess with your mouth, Jesus said, it shall come to pass. Come on, somebody. And so it's important that you as a believer take your eyes off of the world, take your eyes off of other people, take your eyes even off your own circumstance and say, Lord, I believe your word. And you can't just say that in church. You got to say that when you're by yourself, when you're in your bathroom, when you're on the toilet. Come on, somebody. <laughs> can't be on the toilet getting mad and angry and, uh, and then your church. Oh, hallelujah. No. In the shower, on the toilet, in Macy's, when you're Christian shopping, God's going to do it. God's got me. He's watching over his word to perform it. Thank you, Lord. I tithe. You're going to bless me. I sowed that seed. That money's coming in back to me. Money's coming to me quickly, speedily, easily in Jesus' name. And when you start acting like that and walking by faith like that, guess what happens? God starts manifesting. Do you know this angel? People always talk about how much demons are around. Forget those demons, those losers. There's angels all around you. And they're ready to work for you. But they're looking for your words. Come on, Jesus. Holy Ghost, you're preaching today, man. Some of you know this passage. Daniel, he had some visions, and he didn't understand it, so he, Bible says, fasted for three weeks. He did a partial fast. He ate no pleasant bread. Doesn't mean he didn't drink, eat, drink water or eat something, but he wasn't eating the sweets, the sweet potato pie, and the pumpkin pie, and the apple pie. He wasn't getting no ice cream. Hello, Maurice. Amen. <laughs> and he began to seek the Lord. And the Bible says that an angel was sent to him. But there was a disturbance under the old covenant. That was true, not true now under the new covenant. Because Jesus defeated all the principalities and powers. So there's a disturbance and a, and a demon, a principality, tried to stop the angel from coming down with the answer. How do we know that? Because the angel said so. But Michael came and helped me. Does anybody know who Michael is? He's the chief warrior angel of heaven. If you read the book of Revelation, he's the one who's going to, in the last, in the end, going to take a chain and wrap it around the devil's neck and throw him into the lake of fire. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. He's going to, boom, 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 box him up, man. Can't wait for that day. So I said, we can't wait. Satan, you about to get boxed, my nigga. Oh, sorry. I got excited. I got excited. My enemy. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, the angel came with the answer. And he says, I've come because of your words. Now, people have preached it wrong, looking at the King James Version, because the King James says, I've come for your words. No, he already prayed. God already heard him. He said, as soon as you prayed, the answer was sent immediately. You have to learn about the immediate response of God. Just because you don't see something doesn't mean he hasn't responded. He said, it's been 21 days, but God heard you the first day and sent the answer right away. It's called the immediate response of God. And he said, I've come because of your words. 
Your words cause this chain reaction from heaven to earth. I'm going to say that again. Your words cause this chain reaction from what? Heaven to earth. Why do you think Jesus, oh man, this is going deep. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Why do you think Jesus said to Peter, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you what? Loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. If you use the keys of the kingdom, use your authority on earth, heaven's going to respond. Whether you're binding or loosing things. A lot of people don't know this authority and then the devil sends evil spirits out and religious spirits to get preachers not to teach this kind of thing. But thank God we ain't one of those. <laughs> we got sound doctrine. We got revelation from the word. And we're not going down, we're going up. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you hear a doctor's report say, oh, you have stage four cancer, the first response should not be tears. The first response should be the devil is a liar. It should be anger and say, Satan, you're encroaching upon my blessing. My body is blessed. I take authority over you. And I bind this cancer. That's the kind of power you have. But the devil doesn't want you to know that. He wants to look at everybody else who died. But why don't you show me everybody else who lived? You know, there's a hashtag for cancer survivors, especially the breast cancer ones. It says F cancer. I'm not going to say the word was saved. Anybody seen that yes. hashtag? Now, do you know, even though that's a carnal thing, it's kind of biblical. <laughs> Does anybody know that? Okay, why is it kind of biblical? Let me see if you really deep like that prophetess. <laughs> Look nice. Man, you lost some weight. It ain't the black either. That face is doing good. She going to the gym, working out, man, doing your thing. But very nice. Okay. But what, 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 what are you thinking? Um, I guess because they're speaking against cancer, they're, um, they have this mentality that I'm going to defeat this. You know, very good. Yeah. That's it. That's it. The Bible calls it rebuke. The Bible says that Jesus rebuked the spirits. You know what the word rebuke means? To assail with abusive words. You dirty dog. You know how women do to men? You lying thief. That's what, no good, you know? Jesus, that's why Jesus would call them, you unclean spirits. You know, this the, the demons. You're nasty, you're disgusting, you're dirty. You smell like doo-doo. Yeah, we see, say, oh, unclean, because I didn't take a shower. No, no, no. Jesus said something totally different. He's rebuking these spirits, assailing them with abusive words. And that's what you need to do when the enemy is trying to challenge your blessing, challenge your reward. You need to rebuke evil spirits. Like, I don't want to talk to no devil. You better, because he's talking to you. You're going to say, when you feel tempted to, to, to watch pornography or to do some sexual sin, you need to tell the devil, you foul, lustful, disgusting spirit, go from me now. 
He's going to come back. I'm still, I'm, I'm back. Go again. <laughs> I'm, go again. And don't come back. The devil tempted Jesus three times. Jesus said every time, it is written. It is written. It is written. And the last time he said, get behind me, Satan. Somebody say, I'm powerful. I'm powerful. I have the power. To rebuke the devil. In Jesus' name. He said, I am the Lord, verse 7, who brought you out from, we're back in Genesis 15, earlier Chaldeans to give you this land to possess it. And so God, not only wants to give you a child, he wants to give you land. Let me tell you one more thing about the baby thing. Whenever you do get pregnant, ladies, those who are believing for pregnancies, tell your friends, Put your hands on yourself and begin to prophesy. Be your own prophet. Say, this baby will go full term in Jesus' name. There will be no complications. I don't care what nobody says. You see a spot of blood. Okay, that don't mean nothing. The baby is blessed. You heard that the, 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 um, the recording that I let you hear. Some of you weren't here. A young lady who used to go to our church, she had a baby. She went to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, the baby um, is not turned. So we're gonna have to do something. And so she got a little nervous and she said, literally, Pastor Maurice, I heard your voice. I started opening my computer, doing research. I heard your voice say, the baby will turn in Jesus' name. I literally closed the computer and said, that's it. She sent me the testimony. She went back. The baby turned. Amen. Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. Let's rejoice about that. That's the power of God. That's the power in believing in a man of God who walks in authority. So if I told you that your baby's coming, you should be like, oh, the man of God said the baby's coming. That's it. I'm good. That's it. That's it. That's it. The Bible says, believe in the Lord your God. And you shall be established. Believe his prophets, and you shall prosper or advance. So if God has told you something, it's settled. It's established. It's going to happen. And you believe that word of the Lord, you're going to advance. You're going to have more than one baby, two babies. How much do you want? Amen. Is that, is that not what happened to Hannah? Did it happen to Hannah? Hannah was childless. Her husband had another wife. Back then they allowed that. And she was having babies galore. And she was putting it to her, the fire to her, teasing her. Hey, look at my baby. You know, dancing and everything. And the Bible says she was so upset. And her husband said, listen, I've been better to you than 10 sons. But I cannot give you a baby. What did she do? What she said had done? Turned to the Lord. Went to the temple. And in deep anguish, cried out to the God. So much anguish with her lips. Then there was sound. The, the, the priest, Eli, thought she was drunk. He said, why are you drunk in the temple? She said, sir, I'm not drunk. I'm crying out to the Lord. But a baby, and he said, it shall be granted to you. And she said, Lord, give me this baby. I'm going to dedicate him to you. So she did, dedicated the baby to the Lord. So he served in the temple. But after that, she had five more kids. Or four more kids. 
Five more, thank you. Five more kids. The number of grace. The woman who was barren had five more kids. Six kids altogether. What will God do for you exceedingly if you believe him? Because it wasn't that she just, she was barren. The Bible says her womb was closed. But God opened her womb. And boom, here come the babies. Even if the doctor says you have no eggs. say I don't care what you say. God will put new eggs in there. That's how great he is. So now, let's go for the land. How many of you own land? Raise your hand if you own land. Hi, raise your hand high. Oh, you got that Niger land. Nigeria. <laughs> okay. How many of you don't own land? Raise your hand. All right. Well, guess what? That's going to turn around. Real estate, houses, and land is coming your way. It's part of the reward of the Father. I believe it's Psalm... Either Psalm 34 or Psalm 37, one of the two, which talks about all the, the, the blessed, the, the people who are blessed inheriting the earth. You need to have multiple houses, you need to have land, you need to have all this stuff. This is what God has called for. I'm into this new preacher. He's not new, but I'm newly into him. J.D. Shuttlesworth. I told a few of you about him. Most of my leaders. So he's preaching a lot about prosperity and increasing stuff. And he's like the perfect mix of a Pentecostal and the word of faith. It's like the perfect mix. <laughs> um, flows in the power of God, but has a great mind about material wealth. But anyway, I'll talk more about that later. But anyway, um, he was talking about, he put this diagram up, the this, this statistic of the different religions and religious groups and their wealth base. You can look it up on Google, it's there. And saw who was at top and who was at the bottom. And the lowest were the Jehovah Witnesses. Hope you're not Jehovah Witness. <laughs> but right above that was the Pentecostals, us. And he talked, he said, I have a Jewish friend. I don't have a lot of Jewish friends, but I have this one good Jewish friend. He said, yeah, you, you Christians, you don't have land and, 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 and houses and wealth like you're supposed to. And he basically was saying that everything for us is spiritual. So JD said to him, well, how do you understand this concept of the covenant and having all this land and wealth, you told me you haven't been to synagogue since you was eight. So how do you understand this? He said, because when I was seven, our rabbi looked at all the kids and said, you are to have land. When we were slaves in Egypt, they took our land and we're never going back to that. So you are to have land. I was told that at seven. J.D. Shuttlesworth said, what do you think I was doing at seven? In Sunday school with sticks. I love mommy. 
Yeah, I was screaming in my apartment. He said, I, I got little sticks. I, I, I love mommy. Hey, mommy, look what I did, did in Sunday school. When my Jewish friend at seven was being told by the rabbi, you have to have land so that you won't be beholden to anybody ever again. <laughs> He's super funny. You guys are listening to this guy. Very sarcastic. That's a lesson for us. That's a lesson for us. Evangelical Christianity, a lot of it, not all of it, there's a segment that we're part of that's like, yeah, we're getting that wealth. A whole bunch of them, oh, money's not important. They're very foolish. And it weakens you. Oh, you saw it? You got it? What, what does it say? Let me see. Hindu? I know Hindu was in there somewhere. Yeah, Jewish, Unitarian, Episcopalian, Evangelicals. We were up there too because the Southern Baptists, a lot of them have. Starts from the lowest to the highest. To the highest, yeah. But the Sinners of God, Pentecostal, Seventh day Adventist. That Baptist is probably the Black Baptist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, because the evangelical is a white, that includes a white Baptist. Because all of a sudden, Baptists are, are very rich. Mm-hmm. You know? Mormons of high. Yeah, this is, this is what he showed. So, the point is this get your land. As 2023 ends and you're entering 2024, leave this year with a reward mindset, with a blessing mindset, and saying, Next year, I'm going to get land. Even if you don't buy a house, buy something concrete. Because they're not making more land. The devil will fight anybody who tries to get land, who's a believer. Now, I'm not talking about the, the wasteland that nobody's going to ever. Oh, don't say, I got land in Arizona. Uh, no. $1,000 worth of land that nobody's ever going to build. There's no irrigation. There's no water. There's no, no. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something where you know development is coming, where someone is already living in the city, whatever it is, whether there's multiple houses, whether there's, there's plain land, get land that's valuable. You know, a lot of those people like Bill Gates and those kind, they just keep buying land. Ted Turner, they just buy land. I think Ted Turner is the largest landowner in the United States of America. The one who, who um, founded, uh, what's that thing called? Uh, Turner, what's, what's that, that cable thing? Time Warner, is it, is it Time Warner? Yeah, I think, huh? I know, I know he has Turner Classics, but I think it's the Time Warner cable thing, whatever. But he's a very rich man. Um, but he's a, he's a mega landowner. And this is land that you should either build on or pass down to your children that they will build on. Sometimes God will lead you to buy land that he knows will, will, will be developed in the future. That's why you're going to be led by the Spirit, too. There was one preacher, he said that um, um, he was going to buy land in a certain place, and the Lord said, don't buy it there. He said, Lord, why? Because there's other place, they're not doing nothing over here. He says, don't buy it there. Buy it where I told you. He did not know that the city council or whoever was in charge 
changed the plans, reversed it, and built over on this side where they weren't supposed to. And so he had all this wealth because he had land that the developers wanted. The Holy Ghost knows everything. Follow him. The Bible says the Spirit will teach you the prophets. He'll tell you exactly what to buy. He'll tell you what stocks to buy. He'll tell you what land to buy. He'll tell you what houses to buy. He'll tell you everything. Just go to him. Amen? Somebody say, I'm going to get land. Land makes you a power player. Land makes you a power player. Don't just get land. If you're from another country, get land in America. Get land in the countries with a lot of wealth. Get land. Amen. Start small and build bigger. This is your reward. This is what your heavenly father wants for you. The Bible says you're the seed of Abraham. So get land. All right. Verse 8, but he said, oh Lord, how am I to know that I shall possess it? How do I know I'm going to really get this land? I mean, I'm hearing all these promises. So Abraham was tough, man. He's like, I'm getting these promises, but I need to know some guarantees. And then the Lord said to him, and notice that when Abraham is asking God these questions, he's challenging the promises. God is not up in heaven mad. Why are you asking me all these questions? Like some of your parents. Don't be asking me no, no, no questions. Just, just be quiet. Go to your room. Parents get annoyed by their kids asking questions. And I know kids can be annoying sometimes. But be very careful because you can be shutting down their curiosity. You can be shutting down their boldness to challenge things. So then when they get to the world, they never challenge anything. So they said, here's your $5,000 um, bonus. They'll never say, oh, I should ask for more. Because they've been told by their parents, stop asking, stop being, be quiet, go to the room. Mm-mm. You should tell your kid, get louder and louder. Amen. Amen. Remember blind Bartimaeus? The Bible says that everybody said, be quiet. He heard Jesus was passing by. He said, be quiet. He said, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet. He got louder, the Bible says. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says this. Jesus stood still. What did he do? And commanded him to come. And then the crowd, because they're the crowd, oh, go, 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 he's calling you. <laughs> the same people who said, shut up! Because they're moved with the masses. Don't be moved with the masses. Be your own person. You want to be healed, cry out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And he came to Jesus. He threw down all his stuff. Now he's blind. So he, and Jesus says, what do you want me to do for you? That I might receive my sight. And he said, according to your faith, be it unto you. The Bible says, his eyes opened. A man who's been blind all these years. A beggar. All of a sudden, 20-20 vision. Jesus reversed the curse in his life because he cried out, because he didn't let anybody keep him quiet. And the reason why I say he got louder and louder, because you know the verse that we just started with in verse one, I am your exceedingly great reward. Either the word exceedingly or great, I looked it up in the Hebrew, 
One of the definitions is louder and louder. God wants to bless you louder and louder. He wants to reward you louder and louder. But he's going to reward you loud. He's going to reward you based on your loudness. Ephesians 3.20, what does it say? That God will do now unto him who will do what? Exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or think. Next verse. According to the power that is at work in you. So if you're loud, God's going to be loud. If you're quiet, God's going to be quiet. How loud can you get? They said, how low can you go? <laughs> but how loud can you get? We ain't going low, we're going loud. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. Somebody say loud. loud. Somebody say, Lord bless me. Lord bless me. Lord reward me. Lord, I thank you. That you will give me. Everything I need and everything I want. Hallelujah! You're gonna be loud like that. Oh, I'm not really loud. You want to get loud? Be loud in your house? The devil said, You ain't gonna get that. Contrary thoughts, friends, family members. Girl, please. No, you please. Hallelujah! Start shouting. The Bible says a shout of a king was among Israel. Those people shouted. When do what the Jews do, you need to learn how to shout. I talk about the Jews of today. I talk about the Jews back then. The Bible says they, they, was, they shouted so loud that other nations heard them. True. Splitting sound. You just split the, dears, the devil's ears open. Tell them you are a liar. You're nothing. Hallelujah. Oh, man, God. Demons hate Hallelujah. Those spirits of anxiety and depression are going to go. The Bible says he gives you what? Beautiful ashes. And he gives you the spirit of praise. For what? The spirit of heaviness. You want to get heaviness off of you? Start shouting and praising God. Can you praise the living God and still stay depressed? Watch this. Hell no. You get it? Hell no. Because depression comes from hell. No. You can't. That's why the devil doesn't want you to be a praiser. That's why I tell you, when we come to pray, you need to be loud. Pray loud. Praise loud. The Bible says, the fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. A fervent. And the, and the king, the, the amplifier says, and makes tremendous power available, dynamic in his working. You want to have some power? Start shouting. Start telling the devil, give up of me. Get up off of me. Amen. And you're going to see victory in your life. Man, this is good. But he said, oh, Lord God, how can I know better to possess it? I'm going to get this land. He said to him, bring me a heifer, three years old, a female goat, three years old. I'm in verse nine. A ram, three years old, a turtle dove and a young pigeon. And he, Abraham, brought all these cut them in half very significant and laid each half over against the other 
but he did not cut the birds in half. And when the birds of the prey came down on the carcasses, Abraham drove them away. Now, to give you a visual, because I don't have a, we don't have a video screen right now to do that for you. You ever been to one of those Dominican um, restaurants and you get the roasted chicken and you say, I want a half? What do they do? They take the whole chicken, right? And they go, right in half, right? And it splits open, two halves, right? So imagine Abraham doing that for the third, what did he say? For the, for the young heifer, the female goat, and a ram, a turtle dove, and not, but, but not the pigeon. So he cuts them in half, the big animal, the small animals, and he lays them half. That was the tradition in ancient times for making a covenant because the two partners that were going into this contract or this covenant, they were going to walk through the halves together. So imagine Pastor Fan and Pastor Patrick walking through the halves together. It was symbolic that if you don't do your part, you are to die like these animals have died. If you don't do your part, you are to die like these animals die. It was a binding covenant. Okay. But verse 12, something different happens. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abraham. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abraham, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. So he's prophesying about the future to Abraham. He didn't say why. He just said this is going to be a fact. Because sometimes we read, people read it and think that God wanted this. No. He just said this was going to happen. But I will bring judgment on the nation, talking about Egypt, that they serve and afterward they shall come out with what? What does it say, everybody? I will give you a great, a very great, what? Reward. I'm going to give you a child. I'm going to give you land. And your people will have great possessions. Different from the child and the land. And I'll explain to you what that's about in a minute. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with Abraham, saying, To your offspring I give this land, from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Kadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Gergesites, and the Jebusites. Now, all these sites <laughs> were people who were occupying the land. But God of heaven says, it's all mine anyway. 
and I will give it to who I want to give it to. These people are not in covenant with me. They're not serving me. So I'm going to take that from them and I'm going to give it to you. And God has a right to do that. So if God said that something is yours, it's yours. Amen. Not somebody else's husband. <laughs> or wife. Talk about land. Amen. Oh, Pastor, we said it's mine, it's mine. The Lord said that's mine. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Unbiblical. Sorry. Why did God put Abraham in a deep sleep? Why didn't he walk with him through the sacrifice? Does anybody know? That's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to walk with the partner. There's nothing required of him? That's good. Anybody else? Why did, why did God put Abraham? Oh, he said, he said um, because there was nothing required of him. That's good. That's good. These guys got good answers. Because God was creating an unconditional covenant. If I have Abraham walk with me and he fails, which he is going to fail, then I have to kill him. So I'm going to walk through it for him and me. And he'll be the silent partner. I'm going to be the one doing it. That's why the Abrahamic covenant was still in existence even after the Mosaic law ended. Now we're still in the Abrahamic covenant in grace because of the covenant God himself established. It's an everlasting covenant now ratified with the blood of Jesus Christ. That's what the Bible says in Hebrews. We have a better covenant established on what? Better, better promises. Doesn't this remind you of what God did to Adam? He was thinking that. He says, bro, yo, this is amazing, right? It's amazing, Lord. But um, you ain't got a woman. These animals ain't good enough. <laughs> you, need a, you need a woman. It's not good for man to be alone. He's like, okay. You can't give yourself another human being. Only I can do it. Go to sleep. <laughs> he took out, God did the first operation. He did the first kill when he clothed them. And he did the first operation. He's the doctor of all doctors. That's why you need to go to him. Oh, your doctor's good, but he's better. Yeah. Watch this. He took out the rib and formed a woman and presented her to Adam. And he said, this is now bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh. He gave him something he could not give himself. God is telling 
Abraham, Abraham at the time, I'm going to give you something that you cannot give yourself. You can't give yourself a kid. You can't make the sperm go into the old lady who really has no eggs left because she's old. People just talk about the sperm. They don't realize Sarah didn't have any more eggs. God supernaturally gave her an egg. That's never preached, but that's okay. Actually, I never thought about it until just now. That's the power of revelation. You can't give yourself this land. These enemies will destroy you. <laughs> Abraham, they will kill you. They will slice your head off. But if I'm involved, you're going to win. And you can't give yourself these great possessions. Your people won't be able to. Years later, won't be able to. How do we know that? I'm going to give you something you can't give yourself. If you look at Exodus 3, this explains the great possessions. This is God spoken to Moses. And he said, I will give the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. This is about them. Now, this is at the end of the 400 years. And it shall be when you go that you shall not go empty handed. Somebody say, God doesn't want me empty handed. But every woman shall ask of her neighbor, namely of her who dwells near her house, articles of silver. Yep, get the woman to do it. Articles of gold and clothing. And you shall put them on your sons and your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. The Egyptian represents the world. Now that's what was said. And I love chapter 12 when it actually happened. Now the children of Israel, verse 35 to 36. Now the children of Israel had done according to the word of Moses. And they asked from the Egyptians articles of silver, articles of gold and clothing. And the Lord had given the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they granted them what they requested. Thus they plundered the Egyptians. What did God give the children of Israel that they couldn't give themselves? Favor with man. You can't make people favor you. Only God can do that. Amen. So this whole covenant with us, with God, is him giving you something you can't give yourself. Yes, you have to work. Yes, you have to believe. Yes, you have to use your wit and wisdom that he gives you. But without him, you can't get it. You can't do it. Without his rain, his sunshine cannot be done. So all the glory goes to him. When God had Adam, I mean, Abraham cut those animals in half, there's another statement that we read. It says that the smoking oven and the torch of fire walk through the thing. If you research it, and you should research it, there's a lot of discussion about what that means. But the primary and overwhelming agreement is that that represented the presence of God. God himself walked through this. Some people believe the smoking uh, um, oven represents God's judgment on Abraham's enemies and the future enemies of his seed. Possible, but other people believe that, no, that's just another representation of God's presence. Either way you believe it, God made the covenant. So I say, God did it. God did. So I shout, God did it. God did it. That's going to be your testimony.
At the end of this year, God did it. Amen. Be a testimony in the new year. God did it. Amen. Anybody ready for that testimony? Amen. Anybody ready for some great possessions? Yes. Nice clothes. Yes. Some jewelry. Yes. Lot, the gold represents money. You might want some money. Want the bag? Yes. Anybody want the bag? Yes. Anybody want to be a millionaire next year? Yes. Can he turn it around? Yes. Won't he do it? Yes, yes he will. <laughs> When I say, won't he do it? You're supposed to say, yeah, we're, we're Baptists, make believe. <laughs> won't he do it? Yes, he will. Okay, amen. You, gotta, you can't do it. Yes, he will, Pastor Patrick. You got to do it. Yes, he will. Come on, man. Well, would you, oh, would you, I thought you said yes. Okay, you're still taking notes. You, you guys can't say it that way. You got to say, yes, he will. Won't he do it? Yes, he will. Come on, all right. Some of you Haitians, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just messing. just messing with you. Um, Nikita, come give your testimony. Hallelujah. Come on, let's give her a hand. It's not just good preaching, this is real life, and I'm going to give you a testimony, and then we're going to be done. Yes. Hi, Leonard. <laughs> I miss you guys. Okay, so. Some of them don't know, so those who don't know. slowly dwindling down and so um, by the time we left well a few days before we left I only had like $800 which wasn't what we wanted my husband and I wanted at least two at least $2,000 each now I was like okay Lord now this was I think I spoke to Pastor Maurice maybe a few days before Mm -hmm. we left and I told him, I'm like, Pastor, you know, I really want to have some money. He was like, Nikita, go get your angels. Tell them to bring the money in. I was like, you're right. You are so right. And so I did. You know, I was like, Lord, I need this amount of money. And I said, okay, wait. First of all, I want a Louis Vuitton bag. <laughs> <laughs> Come and on. I want it, and I want it from Paris. And that's already going to be two grand. So I'm going to need more than two grand because I want the bag and I want extra money to do other stuff. Okay, so I prayed that prayer. I was very raw, I was very real, prayed that prayer. After I spoke to Pastor Maurice, I was like, angels, go bring my thousands of dollars. Like, bring that money in. Okay, so then the Lord put me into a deep sleep. No joke, (laughs) I did have a dream. And when I woke up from this dream, in the dream, I saw my bank account. I literally saw my TD bank account. And it had thousands of dollars in it. And I was like, "Hey, okay. I didn't check the whole day. I was a little nervous because I was like, oh, that was just a dream. So I didn't check until 
the Lord kept putting on my heart, would you check your bank account? So I'm driving on the, on the highway. I'm on the southern state. I'm heading to my internship. I'm talking on the phone with my dad. And um, I know, please don't do this. <laughs> don't check your phone while you're driving. But I did. And um, I checked my phone. I, you know, face thingy my phone so that my bank account would appear. Thousands of dollars, guys. Thousands of dollars. So I was like, what? You know. So my dad is talking to me on the phone. I pressed mute so that I could praise God with the loudest Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And then I would unmute so that I can say, uh-huh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then I would press mute again. And I would say, Lord, I'm on the phone with my dad, but you are my daddy for real. And wow. I just thank Come you. on. And Hallelujah. then I would unmute and go, uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> I, I heard that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, we got off, I got off the phone with him, and I drove to my internship. And when I tell you, I was so, so happy and so excited. Come on. Because I thought I only had about 800 Now, that $800, right, was dwindling down. So, honestly, I had like 650 Because but of your kids. Because of my kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, the 650 I thought was okay. And we were going to get paid our regular job check like halfway in the trip. And... Um, and I guess I, I settled and I was like, you know what? All right, fine. It's not really what I wanted. It'll but, work. But it'll work. It'll do. Mm -hmm. It'll do, Donkey. It'll do. Yeesh. Inner joke. <laughs> anyway, um, I said it'll do, you know. But then Pastor encouraged me again to get those angels to work. And I did. And I, I, like I said, I was very raw, very real with my Tell prayer. them what actually happened. How did this money come about? Oh, Yeah. Right, because I'm sure you're like, well, how did you get thousands <laughs> in your account? So what happened, guys, is that I had, I'm in school. Um, I'm in my final year. Praise God, um, yeah. And so I had paid for the year already. But then God had blessed me with an opportunity to apply for a scholarship. And the scholarship paid for my schooling. And what books, school, tuition, anything that I needed, supplies, um, they paid for it in full. And so the school refunded me the money that I put out already, and that's how I got the money. Now, I can say that normally speaking, it wouldn't come like that. in the middle mm -hmm. of, what month yeah. is this? November. November. It wouldn't come in November. It may come like January-ish, maybe mm -hmm. February. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't come like that. like that. But God, I don't care how he made the money come, he made it come. come. <laughs> and so um, I'm just really happy because not only did I get my bag, I got... <laughs> <laughs> because that I made sure happened. And of course my husband was like, he really? And I was like, God made it happen. He wants me to get my Louis Vuitton. He wants come on. Me don't put this on me. This is all God. He wants me to he get did my it. bag. And so, but not just that, but I was, we were able to really enjoy, enjoy ourselves. Mm -hmm. We weren't pressed for anything. We blessed his family. We blessed each other. We blessed our children. I mean, 
and we still have some money left over. Who? You know? Come on. So Glory I to God. wanted to say that. That's awesome. Come on, shout. Yeah. Hallelujah. What a testimony. That is covenant. That's reward. That's the goodness of God. Amen. Amen. And I have one testimony, and then we're going to take the offering. <laughs> we're going to end. What else the Lord wants to do? So remember last week I told you that um, I was watching that guy mention J.D. Sosworth, and I gave 250 and then I gave 250 and I gave 250 I was watching days in a row, and I kept feeling led to give 250 to the ministry. So I'm like, yo, I need that $750. This is, this is freaking Christmas. But I knew you got to do what you preach. If you believe God, sow the seed. And I was like, okay, I believe you, Lord. Now, I won't say, I, I didn't make a negative confession, but my heart was like, oh, my God, what did you do? You're so stupid. But I was saying, no, thank you, Lord, for the return. Your word says that you will multiply the seed sown. I need this money multiplied. So then I told you last week, $400 came in to me. So I just dropped $400 into my account, um, Zell. And I was like, oh, praise the Lord. But I still said, Lord, that's not multiplied. That's increased, but it's not multiplied. And I told you, I'm going to have a testimony. Didn't I tell you that? So then this week, I was with Pastor Ernst, and we were just driving from the store. We had went, um, like, Christmas shopping, whatever. And um, we were just hanging out and stuff with him and his two boys. And um, while we're on the way back to his house, he's like, yo, um, can we run back to my house real quick before I drop you? Because I want to see some members who are on Family Feud, some, some members from his church. I said, okay, cool. While we're on the way back, I hear the ching-ching, and I look down, and someone sent me $1,000 to my cash app. And I was like, what in the world? I was just stunned. And it was Oladele. You guys know who he was. He was here. He used to go to our church. He lives in Dallas, Texas now. So I called, but he picked pick up. I figured he's at work. So then I just texted him, blessed him, released a blessing over him. So his wife texted me the next day and says, good morning. Um, would you like to know why Delhi sent you that $1,000? I said, I sure would. <laughs> so she called me. I mean, I, I called her, then she called me back. And she said, well, I had a dream Wednesday morning. Early, I had a lot of dreams because his wife dreams prophetically very powerfully. And, in, and one, of the thing, one of the scenes of my various dreams was Dele coming to me and saying, Pastor Maurice gave me a word. And in the dream, he didn't tell me what the word was. And I'm going to sow $1,000 into his life. So she woke up, told her husband what she saw. And he said, well, it looks like God to me. And that's what he said to her. Evidently, Pastor Maurice has put a demand on God. And God is speaking to us to give to him. Perfect words. Exactly what happened. He says, well, we need the money. But we're going to sow this seed. And we're going to reap a harvest from that. Glory to God. Increase is real. 
supernatural increase is real. Now, what's very interesting, when I talked to him, spoke to him, he said, and honestly, I believe there's more people that's supposed to sow into your life, and they're going to, in Jesus' name. With that said, we're going to take today's tithes and offerings. Not for me, for Winner's Church. Now, if you want to give something to me, you can. <laughs> Giving sets you up for more. I know you heard a thousand preachers say it. There's some honest preachers, some crook preachers, whatever. That's always been, always going to be. Just like there's honest politicians and there's crook politicians. There's good dads and bad dads, good moms and bad moms. Though the world don't want to believe there's bad moms. There's a lot of bad moms. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. You're in covenant with God. And one of the things he wants you to do is to be a tither. To give 10% of your income. Another thing he wants you to do is give offerings above that. The Bible said God loves a cheerful giver. 10% belongs to God. That's his money. The offering is what you give beyond that as a free will. If you begin to measure your giving, you'll begin to see why you're getting a lot back or why you're getting a little back. Paul says that if you sow a little, you receive a little. If you sow a lot, you're going to receive a lot. Is that not right? So if you're giving five dollars, you're going to get that kind of money returned back. If you're giving hundreds, you're going to start receiving hundreds. If you give thousands, you're going to start receiving thousands. Whatever measure you're giving, that's the measure you're going to get. If you start giving millions, millions will start coming back to you. The Bible says, for with measure you meet or measure out, it should be measured back to you. So I want to encourage you to be a tither, to be a giver, and to be generous. Even if you have your, your giving on automatic giving. Don't just go by that. Say, Lord, is there anything more you want me to give? Now, we just entered our um, end of the year giving, and we have an ambitious goal of 50000 It definitely doesn't look like we're going to meet that goal, but we believe in God. Amen. And it's going to take you and the Lord, you and the Lord, to bring it to pass. And that's beyond your tithes and offerings. And so I want you to Really go to God and say, what do you want me to give? I'm asking the Lord for the end of the year giving. What do you want me to give? You know, I have a kind of figure in mind now, but I'm just going to see what the Lord is going to say. And we need to start giving big, even myself. Now, I'm a super giver, super, especially to people. But the Lord has shown me you're not giving as much to ministries that you need to be giving. That's where the hot soil is. That's where I want you to start sowing some of your money. So I just started turning some of my money towards ministries again. And um, the Lord, just make a little adjustment and you're going to see the supernatural increase. Amen? Amen. If you've been tight, it's not right. <laughs> Bars. Now, if you've been tight, yeah, y'all want to play me? I'm going to keep rapping. If you've been tight, it's not right. And you've been stingy in God's sight. Bars! Oh! <laughs> Keep it going. Were you jealous? You trying to challenge me? Because he thinks he's a rapper. The youth pastor thinks he's a rapper. But anyway. Nah, I'm, I'm, I'm finished with my rap. <laughs> I, I had more, but I'm, I'm going to start right now. <laughs> now, but if you want to give 
Um, the ways to give is text to give, 718-395-7713. Cash app, dollar sign, Winners Church, NYC. Dollar sign, Winners Church, NYC. Online, winnerschurch.com slash give. You can also do the QR code and it will show you um, where to give. Our giving for the end of the year, end of the year giving is called the future I see. And so we changed the, um, the lettering from EYG, end of the year giving, to FIS. So if you give in Cash App, put in the note FIS for the end of the year giving. This is beyond your tithes and offerings. If you're giving text to give, 718-395-7713, what should they do? Put the dollar amount. Yeah, the dollar amount, then FIS. If you give online, there's a drop-down menu that has FIS, the future I see. We have a lot of things we want to do um, in the future, and we want to end the year strong, and it's going to take your generosity to make it happen. Some, some people have never thought to give their church $500, $1,000, or $5,000, or $10,000. Some have. But you need to renew your thinking and say, it's time for me to give big. I can't spend all this money on myself and never give to God's kingdom. Amen? Amen? If you give to God's kingdom, you will be blessed. It shouldn't be that people on the outside are giving $1,000 or hundreds of dollars to win his church, but the people on the inside don't do it. So we trust you to obey God and be generous and to bless this house and the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Come on, stand on your feet once you've done that. Oh, if you need an envelope, our ushers are ready to give you an envelope. If you need to give by cash or credit card, raise your hand. Our usher will give you an envelope. If I think they already gave them. You have a word for someone? Okay, good. Um, and we're going to do that. Praise the Lord. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Lift your phone or whatever your, your envelope, whatever you're giving with. And says with me, Father, Father thank, you thank you for your covenant, for your, covenant. Your, covenant of your covenant of prosperity. I believe, I believe that I receive, that I receive all, that all that you have for me. I believe, I believe that whatever I, need whatever I need and whatever I want, whatever I want will be given to me. Given to In the mighty name of Jesus, name of Jesus and by your everlasting covenant. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so, come on, sit down again.